Take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to continue our Bible study in the book of Hebrews. We are not going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, word by word. You say, why? That's boring. That's no fun. But the book of Hebrews is, in my opinion, one of the most important books of the Bible. Uh, if you understand the book of Hebrews, as you're finding out, it's kind of like a mini Bible. It pulls the whole Bible together. Uh, and you're starting to see some of those things tonight. Uh, I, want, I want you to practice. All right, look at me for a second. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, because you're going to do it a lot tonight. And uh, you say why, because I'm about to shout. Amen. amen. And I, yeah. And every time you don't, I'm going to add 15 minutes to the, to the Bible study. I even got Brother Anthony woke up on that one. Uh, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6, look at verse number 9. But <laughs> Somebody sent me a, a, what do you call those things, a emoji or whatever, a picture of a referee at a football game and said, cell phone violation, you just added 15 minutes to the sermon. Anyway, I'm thinking about doing that instead of uh, pizza, amen? Uh, verse number nine, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, uh, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister, we desire every one of you to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Go back to verse number nine. There's a statement here. I read it quickly on purpose because I didn't want to give it away tonight, but I want you to look towards the end there. And things that accompany salvation. Things that accompany salvation. Now, as a saved child of God, we often don't realize how spoiled we are. We really don't. Uh, we sometimes get so focused on this life that we fail to look at all God is doing around us. All that God is going to do for us. And we get bogged down with the affairs of this world and we get bogged down with the, the, the painfulness of life due to sin. And uh, may I say something? God has done so much that we fail to recognize. Can I help you with something? You ought to take 15 minutes every day and just praise God for the things that he's doing for you. It'll change your life. It really will. There's one statement, though, in, in Hebrews 6, verse number 9, things that accompany salvation. I was reading and studying, and that thing jumped out at me and grabbed a hold of me and shook me good and hard and said, here you go. Have you ever thought about the things that accompany salvation? Have you ever thought about the things that go with it? Now, uh, that word accompany is a little different than you might think. You, you don't understand the truth till you understand the word accompany. The word accompany means more than 
supplementing or going along with something. Uh, when we say, uh, I'm, I'm going to accompany my wife to go somewhere, it means I'm going to go with her. But the word accompany here is not that same word. The word accompany means connected like a baby to the umbilical cord. In other words, it is that which gives it or attaches it to life. It is far deeper than just joining or going with someone somewhere. It means it's connected in what nourishes it and gives it life. You see, uh, it means to hold on or to cling to. It would be the same word if you were in a shipwreck and you were grabbing onto a piece of the ship for your life. You were accompanying it. You were clinging to it for life. It was the only thing between you and drowning. That's exactly what the word accompany means here. Now, what things then cling to salvation like that? We're going to talk about that tonight. I got nine. Yes, we've got nine things we're going to talk about tonight. We are not going to exhaust the subject but don't worry, they're short points, all right? Amen. Yeah. Your definition is short, mine may be different, but uh, they are nine shorter points, all right? Go ahead, uh, just leave it there. We, number one, get spiritual life that accompanies salvation. Do you realize when you got saved, you had no spiritual life? You had a body and you had a soul and you had a dead spirit. But you, when you got saved, you got born again. What got born? Well, it wasn't your body and it wasn't your soul. It was your spirit that was born. John chapter 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. And what was born again was the spirit. See, man without salvation is mere body and soul. That's why they live and act like a bunch of animals. That's why the lost world can believe and think they evolve from lower species. Man is not a mammal. Man is man. You didn't come from a puppy dog or a horse or any other animal related to those, and I'm not going there. Uh, but may I say, we didn't come from animals. God made the animals for us to have dominion over them. Amen. You see, why is it that if everything came from one giant single big bang, let's ask the intellectuals their own question then why is it out of the untold number of bits that blew off of that that only one of them could evolve itself Amen. how could only one form its own atmosphere that would sustain life how could one have somewhere one single cell 
that decided it wanted to be two? How come the others can't do that? Anybody doing okay? It, it, it's not science. And it comes from people with a dead spirit, which gives them dead heads. It takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does in the beginning God created. It does. They, got, they have their faith in a bang. I have my faith in God. <laughs> Anything that goes bang usually ends in disintegration, not life. And by the way, you can't get life from death. It was dead when it was brought forth. You say, well, a seed. No, a seed still has life in it. You see, there was no seeds at the explosion of evolution. But God breathed into man the breath of life. The pneumos, the spirit of life. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Breath, the Holy Air of God. You see, God gave us at salvation a spirit. And that spirit is eternal. It is never dying. It allows us to look past the temporary. It allows us to communicate with God. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's why man's religion is all based on the body and the soul. It's based on feelings and emotions and things that we do with our hands and our feet and our bodies, but it is not based on the spirit. You see, where our physical life fails, our spiritual life does not have to. And God giving us a spiritual life, that is one of the things that accompany salvation. God giving us spiritual life. Well, you just think you're spiritual. No, I don't think so. I know so. Amen. <laughs> Somebody tried to <laughs> criticize me not too awful long. Well, you just think you're spiritual. I said, no. According to the Bible, I know I am. I said, it doesn't mean I'm better than you are, but if you're not saved, you're going to die and go to hell, and you're not spiritual. I said you could become spiritual very easily by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said that you need to be born again and your spirit needs to be born and you could become spiritual as well. I said, well, don't walk out in the rain. You'll drown with your nose stuck up that far in the air. So one of the things that accompanies salvation is spiritual life. About to shout number two. You want to know another thing that accompanies salvation? When you got saved, the Holy Spirit moved inside you. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. He is there to be your comforter. He is there to be your guide. He's there to be the uh, uh, the explainer of truth and guide you in all truth as you read the Bible, as you hear it preached, and as truth comes, the Holy Spirit says, "Yep, that's it. Yep, that's it." Or somebody brings a falsehood to you, and the Holy Spirit saying, "Don't believe that. Don't do that. Uh, don't go there. Don't do that." 
Now, the Holy Spirit has a pet name for me. He calls me stupid. I know that I'm about to do something wrong when, when, when the Holy Spirit says, Hey, stupid, don't do that. Yes, Lord. Say why? Because that's how he gets my attention. Amen. He's tried to be nice before. It didn't work. When you're hard-headed, you've got to hit a mule harder than you hit a puppy. Amen. And, and, and I get that. Now, <laughs> it's too true. <laughs> it's too true. Uh, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit, when you got saved, and I'm going to make a statement here. When a person gets saved, Jesus does not come into their heart. The Holy Spirit of God does. I'm not going to fight with somebody over it, but I can prove scripturally they're wrong and I'm right. Because I'm not right, the scripture's right. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jesus comes into your heart. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven right now. But the Holy Spirit indwells, dwells within the believer. That's why Jesus said, I won't leave you comfortless. When I leave, the Comforter, capital C, meaning Holy Spirit, will come and indwell you. And that's what took place at Pentecost. It wasn't people speaking in tongues. It wasn't people flipping and flopping on the ground, saying all the motorcycle names backwards. If you read the book of Acts, you find out that the men preached and they said, How do these Hebrews speak and we hear in our own tongue. And the Bible says that there was every nation under God represented and every man heard in his own tongue. The word tongue there meant real language, not some jibber jabber. It was not a heavenly language. It amazes me that people that believe in tongues only know two chapters of the whole Bible. They throw out 3,500 other chapters for two chapters of the Bible and misrepresent those two chapters. Everybody doing all right? I'm having fun here. So the first thing that accompanies salvation is spiritual life. The next thing that accompanies salvation is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God in the body of the believer. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we ought to glorify God with our body and our spirit, which are God's. Amen. Number three, got to hurry. <laughs> One of the other things that accompanies us, salvation, not only is spiritual life and the Holy Spirit, but is also the gifts of the Spirit, and, or the fruit of the Spirit. Go to, uh, go to Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I want you to notice something about this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this to you, and I'm going to say a couple things here. Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 22. That was chapter 4. That's chapter 5. There we go. That looks more like what I was looking for. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. But I want you to go back to verse 22. Does it say but the fruit of the Christian? Yes or no? Okay, I heard three of you. There you go. Okay, there went five more minutes. Uh, but the fruit of the what? Not the fruit of the Christian? 
Oh, so who produces the fruit? The Holy Spirit. I wonder how many preachers have gotten up and say, you need to produce love in your life and joy. No, you can't produce it. It is the Holy Spirit that must produce it in you. Now, I can take the love that the Holy Spirit has given me and I can apply it to him and to his family. And it's just like the gas tank in my truck. As I drive it and I use the gas, I have to resupply the fuel. Amen. Guess what? As you use love, the Holy Spirit reproduces it in you. And as you use joy, the Holy Spirit reproduces it in you. And as you use peace and goodness and gentleness and faith and meekness and temperance, and as we use those, the Holy Spirit reproduces it. And guess what? Not like my gas tank. Every time I use it, he gives me a little more and expands the ability to use more. And I can use more. And I can use more. And I can use more. Some of you like you do your lunch and you can now take more and more. Anyway, uh, what was that? Yeah, we went past meddling on that one. We went to criticizing. Uh, But we have to understand that it's the Holy Spirit that produces that. But we only got that because the Holy Spirit indwells us and accompanies us at salvation. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is not something you produce. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is that which we use and He produces it in us. Now, got to hurry up here. (laughs) By the way, it's the first time you ever said anything spiritual. Any minute, carnally. Uh, (laughs) Did you know what? I have all of these available to me because I'm saved. So do you. I wonder how many times we don't use it. At a time we're supposed to be good and we're not. At a time we're supposed to be gentle and we're not. At a time where we're supposed to use love and we don't. Say, what is that? We've just squelched the Holy Spirit and we just emptied the tank a little bit that he can't refill till we use it. We got to keep using it and expanding. Number, number next, number four. What else accompanies salvation? <laughs> we, have ac- we have access to the productivity of the Word of God. Amen. I didn't say just access to the Word of God. Lost man has access to the Word of God. But we have access to the productivity of the Word of God in our life. Let me help you with something. Unsaved people have a dead spirit, so truth is foreign to them. Truth is foreign to a lost person. They think we're the weird ones. You know, the ones that got different colored hairs, you know, green and purple and yellow and looks like they got in a fight with a tattoo gun and then went to the weed whacker and got got whipped up by that thing too. And they look at us and, you know, they go to the store and spend $100 on a pair of jeans that got holes in them. And they think we're weird. Everybody doing all right? They think putting a hole in the ground, putting water in it, putting some sand around it, and taking all your clothes off, put your underwear, sitting around with everybody is, is, is right. 
would you want your daughter walking down the street in nothing but her underwear? But you put a hole with water around it and everything's okay. I don't get it. That's lost thinking. Everybody doing all right? Say, preacher, I know it's it's almost February. I can preach on it now because you're not doing it. So, a saved person, because the Holy Spirit indwells them and guides us in all truth, watch this, he helps us know how to make the truths of that Bible work. A lost person does not understand that book because they don't have a spirit to help it work with. They're only trying to work it with their flesh and with their soul. And it doesn't work that way. It is a spiritual truth. It would be no different than me handing you my Greek New Testament and say, here, figure it out. I mean, that's Greek to me. Yeah, it's Greek. I could give you a Hebrew Old Testament. Most of you would start reading it at the wrong spot. Because Hebrew is written from bottom to top, right to left. Not from top to bottom, left to right. So to read a Hebrew book, you go to the back and you go to the last word to read to the, read to the first word. That's why they, they're, they're, yeah, they're different. Everything's a little different. Now, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit moves in. And what the world says, the secrets to that book are automatically available to you. And as you learn them and as you start living them, you start seeing it produce in your life. Boy, that's good stuff. Being saved allows us not to see scripture uh, that is only historical in its content. I'm going to say something here. These churches on their doctrine that say, well, we believe the scriptures as it's historically correct. Well, truth transcends all generations. Did you know that 2 plus 2 was still 2 plus 2 equal 4 back in in, in the time the Bible was written? The sun came up in the east and set in the west when Jesus was alive too. As since Genesis chapter 1 when God put it up there. See, truth transcends time. It's not just to be applied historically. The Bible is not a history book. It is the living words of God that give us life today. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Doubt what I say. Look how many people live death in America today. Oh, you got to go out and live it up. No, they're going out and dying it out. We're the ones that are living, not them. You see, we realize that truth is the foundation of all God says how to live and to to rule this world. (laughs) It's it's truth that is to rule, not how we see truth. Not as we view truth. It's not my opinion of truth. Everybody doing okay? What did God say? Plain and simple. Uh, I'm not one of these preachers that's trying to get anything out of you. I'm trying to put truth into you. 
years ago I had a lady come to me. She said, well, uh, as a teenager, I surrendered to go to the mission field, but I'm married, and I think she had four or five kids. She said, I, th- I think God's telling me I'm supposed to leave my husband and my kids and go to the mission field because I made that promise first. I said, eh, wrong answer, you're stupid. I said, you, are, you would be more wrong with God by doing that than you would be staying married and rearing your kids. I said, because the moment you chose not to go to the mission field and you went into another covenant with God, you don't break two of them. Well, I just feel, I said, I don't care how you feel. I said, I can show you in the scripture where you'd be wrong. And by the way, salvaged her marriage and they're still going strong. And she didn't go to the mission field. But guess what? I'd rather her not go to the mission field and be right with God than to leave her family to go to the mission field because she's not going to be right with God there either. Everybody doing okay? Uh, I I had somebody one time, well, I believe the Lord's going to come back, so I'm going to sell my house and sell everything, give all my money to the church, and then I'll just live till Jesus comes. I said, no, you're not. I said, I won't take your money. I said, don't you dare sell your house. You wouldn't take the check, preacher? No, not at all. Man, these kooks pre, uh, back in 2000, oh, Jesus is coming back in 2000. You know, I know somebody's made the prediction the Lord's coming back, and he's been wrong eight times already. Harold Camping. One of the biggest idiots out there. And I know people that have sold their homes, sold everything, cashed in their life insurance, I mean everything, lost it all because they thought the Lord was coming back. Can I tell you something? Leave it for them. They're going to need it, and they're going to change it anyway, so it doesn't matter. Boy, that's good stuff. When you get saved, one of the things that accompany salvation is the ability to make that Bible work in your life. I know lost people. I read it. I don't understand it. Yeah, you don't understand it because you you have a dead spirit. Go down the road here to the Pleasant View Cemetery where my mama's body's at and Brother Jimbo and others in our church. Sit down and read to them and see if they understand anything. Say, preacher, that doesn't, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Neither does reading that book to a lost person unless it's the gospel. They're not going to understand it. Everybody doing all right? Number next, number five. One of the other things that accompany salvation, it's the church. Amen. Acts twenty twenty eight. turn there with me real quickly. Say, how do you know that the church accompanies salvation, preacher? Well, let's see what the book of Acts says. Acts chapter 20, look at verse number 28. The Bible says this, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, And to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own what? Everybody look at me. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the... Did you know that the price for the church and the price for your salvation are exactly the same thing? That means this, the church then accompanies salvation. Once somebody gets saved, the best thing they could do is get plugged into the church. The right kind of Bible preaching church. Not a religious organization. 
Everybody doing all right? There's a lot of religious organizations out there that are uh, making a lot of people rich and not making God anything. You see, the church is the rally point three times a week to get the teaching and the strength and the fellowship needed to go back out into the world and reach more people. This is to be rally central. This is where we get the strength and we get the courage, we get the teaching, we get the knowledge, and then we can take it home and chew on it and get some on our own and make it day by day. Uh, This is where we find what we need in our life that needs fixed and get it fixed. Uh, It's where we can uh, properly see God work in our lives. The church is more important than just Uh, and I don't mean this in a critical way, so if it comes out that way, tough. Uh, But we're not supposed to be just Catholic and spend our time going there and we put our time in. No, church is far more important than that. Far more important than that. And I got to hurry. Number six, one of the other things we get that accompany salvation, I love this one, is separation from the world. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'll show you what I mean here in just a second here. And it may not be headed exactly the direction you think I'm going, but Second Corinthians chapter 6. One of the things that's connected to or directly with salvation is separation from the world. Second Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 14. And be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? The word Belial there means the devil. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? (laughs) Take that one, Catholic Church. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now look at me. The church is a called out assembly. What does that mean? We're not supposed to be like the world. The church isn't supposed to have the world's music. The church isn't supposed to have the world's fashions. The church isn't supposed to have the world's uh, mentality. Uh, When you come to church, it's not supposed to be a TED talk. Anybody doing all right? It's not supposed to be a money-making scheme, a prosperity gospel. Oh, you give your money and God's going to multiply it. Well, you do what you, you what God commands and watch what God does. Amen. We're not supposed to dress like the world, act like the world, talk like the world in church. Yes. Uh, you got churches now where the youth director grows his hair out long and walks around like one of these uh, punk band dudes, attracting young people for God. Uh, it's going to be a cold day where the booger man lives far high or something like that. Yeah, he can't grow his hair out on his top, so he's growing it out of his face. Amen? 
Can't get the top to grow, so he's letting the roots grow out. Amen? <laughs> top wears out after time. The only thing you can grow is the roots. Amen? Uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're not supposed to have the same vices and habits as the world. I read a statistic two weeks ago. Do you know that 40% of all Catholic priests are alcoholics? Not just having a problem, full-blown alcoholics. 40%. That doesn't give you the license to go out and get drunk either. You see, that means this. The standards and things of the church are supposed to be live 365 24-7. We're not supposed to be like the world. By the way, have you ever seen what they are? I don't want to be like them. We're not supposed to be critical and negative and hopeless like they are. Good night. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Hey, guess what? I'm just passing through. Why should I let them affect me? I'm supposed to affect them. I'm not supposed to feel uncomfortable. They're supposed to feel uncomfortable. Somebody was telling me, was it Devin? Devin was telling me, he said, Preacher, you know that thing about taking your Bible in public and opening it up? He said, people really do move away. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, they do. I said, you ought to go to the airport and sit down and pop that thing open, man. <laughs> you get any seat you want. Trust me. If I get on the plane first, I got my Bible popped open. The last two seats to fill up in the plane are that one and that one. Guaranteed. Say, why? Who wants to sit by somebody with a Bible? <laughs> it, it's crazy to me. They're the ones that ought to be intimidated, not us. Amen. Uh, so one of the things that is attached or comes along with a company salvation is our separation. This is to be the happy spot. Not, to, not, not work. <laughs> Most of you, that's not a problem. But this is where we come and this is where we separate from the world. This is normality. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> but this is what the world is supposed to be like. Number seven. Ooh, i got to hurry up. We become joint heirs with Jesus. Amen. Romans eight sixteen and 17. We're not going to take time to turn there. You can turn there later. But the Bible says when we get saved that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means this. Everything that is available to Jesus is available to us. Matter of fact, God said he'll be our father. Guess what? When Papa goes, everything that was his is ours. Everything that God has is ours. And he allows us to become a joint heir with Jesus. Saved people have the wealth of God available to them. Why do we worry so much? <laughs> We're going to inherit heaven one day. Did you know they paved the streets there with gold? Can you imagine walking on sidewalks and streets made out of pure gold? Man, people fight for gold here. It's going to be tar in heaven. Number eight, 
(laughs) We gain sonship by salvation. Turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Some of us ought to shout real loud on this one. John chapter 1. Look at verse number 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. When you got saved, you became a child of God. Romans 8.15 says much the same, that not only are we born again, but we receive the spirit of adoption. We are birthed spiritually, but God has to adopt our body and our soul so that we are complete when we get there. Now watch this. God becomes our daddy, our father. And we become his child, and we become the child of the king of kings. Folks, we're not just the children of God. We're the child of the king. We ought to act more like being a child of the king than Absalom, the rebel. We get to be part of the family of God. That's why in church we call each other brother or sisters. Because we are, if we're saved, God's our father. If we all have the same daddy, that means we're brothers and sisters. Some of you spat like it too. Number nine, lastly, this may be the most important statements that I make tonight. Hang on. One of the other things that's attached to salvation, we get the forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness keeps us from getting bitter. Did you know you can't forgive and be bitter? If you are, you didn't forgive. Forgiveness keeps us from holding on to or judging somebody else's sin. Oh, there are, I've used this before. If a rattlesnake bites you, you can forgive it, but it doesn't mean you have to pick it back up. I didn't say you're going to trust everything, but it doesn't mean you can't forgive it. Everybody doing all right? Forgiveness allows us to keep the ground level at the cross. Do you know in God's view, ground's level is at the cross. There's nobody in this room more or less important. Nobody. Well, preacher, you're the pastor. Yeah, my my position's a little higher, but in God's view, the ground's level at the cross. I'm a sinner just like you are. And thank God for forgiveness. You see, we get to live not having to have our past haunt us. I love this statement. When the devil reminds you of your past, how about you remind him of his future? There's too many of you living haunted by your past. Can I tell you something? Forgive yourself. God already did. Quit worrying about what was. How about we start looking ahead to what will be? See, well... You're, you're not so good, preacher. Oh, I already know that. <laughs> and when the devil reminds me of it, I tell him where he's going to be one of these days. Matter of fact, I tell him to get there real quick. Everybody doing all right? 
You don't have to live haunted and uh, worried about your past. I don't care what your past has been. If you're saved, it's under the blood of Jesus Christ, it's covered, and you go forward from there. By the way, we get to help others live without their past haunting them. Everybody look at me for just a second. May it be said at Grace Baptist Church, we don't judge somebody else because of their past. Been around churches enough to know that if somebody messes up, they want to bring them, trot them up here and stand them in front of a church and tell them all the bad things that they did. That's wicked as hell itself. Amen. That's not scriptural. There's nothing in scripture about that. Number one, you can't forgive their sin. God's the only one that can. Quit trying to be a Catholic priest. You can't forgive it. Forgiveness is for the one that was wronged. Everybody doing okay? They didn't wrong you. So why do you want to know what their past is? Who cares? Who cares? You know what my past is? Under the blood. Somebody asks you what your past is, just say, I can tell you, it's under the blood. So, well, what did you do? It's under the blood. And you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to be bothered by it. Man, I'm about to have fun right now. I get so sick and tired of Christians. Well, you don't know so and so. You don't know what their past is. Guess what? I know what your present is, and God's not real happy with it. For you to sit there and complain about somebody's past, you need to get as right with God as you think they need to be. Boy, that felt good saying. You know, we get to live our life reclaiming people and helping them get right with the Lord. There's nothing more fun than that. Spent an hour and ten minutes on the phone last night putting somebody's marriage back together. Not in our church, in a different state. When I got done, I was <laughs> you work an hour and ten minutes on somebody's marriage trying to hold them together, it'll wear, wear you out. But as I hung my phone up, I looked up and I said, God, I love you. You're so good. There's two kids that have a mama and a daddy that are going to stay together. You're good. Can I tell you something? Uh, that's fun. You say, who is it? None of your business. If that's what you're thinking, you really do need to get right with God. Amen. Everybody doing all right? You see, God says, verse number nine. But, beloved, we're persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. We only listed nine tonight. There's a whole lot more. We're not going to go into it. Search the scriptures and find out more things that come with it. But have you ever noticed that statement? Things that accompany salvation. Maybe we just ought to take that list and form a praise sheet from it and bless God for a while tomorrow. When you get down and discouraged, quit looking at things here and start looking ahead of things eternal. Amen. Focus on what will be, not what is. Because what is will be past one day and it's under the blood. 
What a blessed thought. What a great God we have. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm done. Oh, what a tremendous truth. Things that accompany salvation. Things that accompany. Maybe we just ought to take time every day and thank God for those things that came by being saved.